Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a potential 4K-ready Nintendo Switch, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, what happened at Ubisoft Forward, and then finally, we're going to talk about Microsoft's worst-kept secret, the Xbox Series S. But before that, for the fifth week in a row, we have to talk about Apple versus Fortnite. We're now at round number five. Just last week, Apple filed a countersuit against Epic Games seeking compensatory and punitive damages in addition to asking the court to hold Epic accountable for its contractual obligations with Apple. Quote, Epic's actions have caused Apple to suffer reputational harm and loss of goodwill with consumers who rely on Apple to offer the apps they want to download, like Fortnite, with all of the safety, security, and privacy protections that they expect from Apple. And my favorite line, left unchecked, Epic's conduct threatens the very existence of the iOS ecosystem and its tremendous value to consumers. I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I just find it very funny how each of these companies are adding this absolutely unnecessary weight <laughs> to this issue and pleading their case to the uh, to the courts as if, you know, the, the entire existence of their business and the future of the company hinges on this decision that's made within these courts, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Apple said a hot fix that allowed Epic to bypass their payment system amounted to, quote, little more than theft, claiming that Epic purposefully tried to find a way to enjoy all the benefits of Apple's iOS platform and related services without paying Apple what it was contractually owed. Now, I definitely wouldn't consider this a theft since, you know, Tim Sweeney did email Apple beforehand and let them know what they were about to do. I don't, I don't think there's a good definition of theft when you tell somebody that you're what, what you're about to do. Um, Apple also says, quote, in keeping with its self-serving narrative, Epic attempts to recast Apple's conduct as retaliation. But the exercise of a contractual right in response to an open and admitted breach is not retaliation. And I think Apple is half right when it says that. I do still think looking back and, you know, thinking about what they did in terms of threatening Epic's kind of entire business when it comes to the Unreal Engine, for example, that was a definite definition of retaliation. Them removing Fortnite, I, I don't, I can look at that as retaliation. Epic Games has until, until September 18th to respond to the countersuit, and the next hearing is scheduled for September 28th. Now, one interesting thing that we saw inside of that countersuit was that Apple claims that Fortnite earned $600 million. We don't know exactly in what period of time. That is, is probably within the last 12 months. Now, I personally think this is gross revenue, which means that Apple gets $180 million for doing absolutely nothing. And this is really at the heart of this entire argument is that if Fortnite grows $600 million, Apple just automatically gets 30% of that. Now, if $600 million was the net, that means that Fortnite grossed about $858 million and Apple received about $257 million. But let's let's go with that original, uh, just going off of $600 million being gross revenue, Apple getting $180 million. And this is really what uh, Tim Sweeney and Epic Games, this is kind of part of their main argument. Like, yes, a part of it is <clears throat> not being able to install software onto your phone from any, you know, source having to go through the app store but i think to me the bigger issue with the app store is apple taking that 30 percent cut for pretty much doing nothing um you know it's not like they you know host fortnite on their servers for example all that still goes through through epic it's it's just it's it's the toll it's the tax to cross the bridge and you know when you look at that amount of money being siphoned away from a company, $180 million. And we're talking about a really big company in, in Fortnite. But then once you start thinking about people who have smaller apps, smaller games, and are trying to get their stuff into um, Apple's app store and having to just 
you know, calculate 30% just right off the top. I mean, that stuff really, really starts to add up. Now, Tim Sweeney responded by Twitter by reminding us that no company should have this much control over a device you own. And the fight that they're fighting now is the same one Apple fought against IBM with their 1984 commercial. Now, that, I mean, it's pretty accurate exactly what Tim Sweeney is saying in that um in that statement that he made on his Twitter. My favorite line personally from this entire um, countersuit, and the one thing to also keep in mind is that all these lawsuits that we've seen, it's it's almost as if both companies, and, and this really began with, with Epic, are really want this lawsuit to take place in the court of public opinion. You know, when, when you read these countersuits, uh, when you read this countersuit, the injunctions from Epic, you know, I, I feel like they're written in a way for us to be able to sort of understand what's going on without going too much into legal terms. And it's it's almost like both of these companies want to be judged in the court of public opinion. You know, uh, my favorite line from the countersuit was, for starters, Apple is not a monopolist of any relevant marker excuse me, market. Competition both inside and outside the app store is fierce at every level for devices, platforms, and individual apps. Fortnite users can dance their floss, ride their sharks, and spend their V-Bucks on no fewer than six different mobile, PC, and game console platforms. And that's going to be Apple's defense anytime any of this is brought up, not just by Epic, but by any company. Anytime a company does bring up, hey, Apple's 30% uh, tax is too much. Uh, Apple is always going to bring it up as, well, we're not the only choice on the market. But, you know, once you really think about mobile devices, and, and we're not just talking about phones, we're also talking about tablets, you really only have two choices, pretty much. You have iOS and you have Android. And one of those two does kind of allow a little bit more of a free market, which is uh, obviously Android, and the fact that you can install software from any uh, source. And that's why I always like to bring up you know, a Windows PC, like while, while Windows is probably the most dominant operating system, like, yes, there's a Mac OS, there is your choice of Linux, you know, by and large, Windows is really the operating system of choice for personal computers. And I always look at it as think about if every game you want to install, every program you want to install, you had to go through the Microsoft store. It's, it's, it's just not something that is ideal. You know, if I want to buy a game on my PC, I have no less than probably 10 different storefronts I can go to. You know, even though Steam is the most popular for installing a PC game, there are a lot of different choices of launchers, you know, outside of just Steam, Epic Game Stores, Good Old Games, you know, there's all these different options that you can go through. And I think that's kind of at the at the crux of the argument here is the fact that, you know, Apple really they own the only bridge that people are able to cross. The other big revelation that came out last week was that Apple has said it will not let Epic Games reapply to the Apple Developer Program for at least one year. Now, Epic did file a preliminary injunction last week to overturn this ban. I guess by the end of the month, the judge will make that decision. Um, if they're not granted that preliminary injunction, that means that Fortnite won't return to iOS until August 2021 at the earliest. And, you know, the impact that that will have on Epic is it's going to be huge. It's going to be really, really big. You know, uh, Epic has already talked about how big of a part of their business iOS is. So for something like that to happen is going to be a big, big deal. But as I said before, it's really weird to me that Epic Games did not think that any of this would happen. I I kind of look at this situation. I think to myself, you know, the lawyers at Epic Games and, and the executives like Tim Sweeney must have had, you know, some slide in their PowerPoint when they had this meeting about doing this as the worst case scenario. And for them to not have prepared for something like this is really silly if they didn't uh, prepare for something like this. They must have known what they were going up against. And the fact that there's no way that a company that is one of the highest value companies in the history, in, in American history, over you know, they're valued over a trillion dollars, is just going to roll over so easy. Of course they're not. Um, 
So that's really where we are with Fortnite versus Apple. We're going to probably have round six next week. We'll, we'll, we'll find out in, in a week. Uh, in more Apple news, they updated their App Store guidelines. Previously, Apple indicated that game streaming services were not allowed on iOS as Apple needs to review each game individually. According to an App Store guidelines update, game streaming services like Stadia and xCloud are now allowed on the App Store, but there are restrictions. And pretty much the restrictions mean we're not going to get cloud gaming on iOS at any point. Now, Apple requires any company wanting to stream games on an iPhone to provide a separate app for each individual game, which will have to go through Apple's review process. Developers will be allowed to create what Apple calls a catalog app that let players quickly find these separate games, but that app wouldn't provide direct access to the games themselves. So... What that basically means is that Microsoft will create an xCloud app. You will click on that xCloud app and see, oh, cool, Halo Infinite is on there. And then you would click on that. It will send you to the App Store. You would install an app for Halo Infinite. And then from there, you'll be able to actually uh, stream the game, which obviously defeats the entire purpose of a cloud streaming app. Now, Microsoft responded to the changes by saying, quote, this remains a bad experience for customers. Gamers want to jump directly into a game from their curated catalog within one app, just like they do with movies or songs, and not be forced to download over 100 apps to play individual games from the cloud. We're committed to by excuse me, we're committed to putting gamers at the center of everything we do, and providing a great experience is core to that mission. Now, Apple wants consumers to think that it's for their own safety that each game be individually approved, but I mean that's that's a lie it's not it's very very far from the truth you know if that was the truth then spotify would have to be creating apps for every album and netflix would have to create an app for every single movie and and apple would have to approve every single movie and every single uh game out there uh so the 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 question has to be well then why is it why is why is apple so against having these cloud services and i think this is also another kind of you know weapon in this war against apple and the antitrust cases that it's very obvious why apple doesn't want this to happen you know all really comes down to money apple has their own apple arcade which they want to bring quality video games to their mobile platform something that's very separate from the game store that will be in direct competition with now with these uh streaming apps and on top of that, games are the, the the most recurring revenue on the App Store. You know, even though there are some applications out there that have a subscription model or, you know, you pay five bucks and you buy the app forever, for, for example, they don't have the same frequency of recurring revenue as a video game does. So Apple knows that this is really where the most money comes from when it comes to video games, and they don't want to lose that. So they're going to make it as inconvenient as possible for these apps to ever exist on their app store. And this, to me, I don't understand. It's it's very hard for me to believe Apple when they say, well, we're not Monopoly, and then they do things like this. I mean, it's the... It's a perfect example of anti-competitive uh, that you can find. You know, as I said, games generate the most revenue and Apple wants 30% of every purchase. So if, if xCloud does exist, they want 30% of that $15 a month. If, you know, um, Halo Infinite gets in, in, installed on, on, on an iOS device for you to stream it, they want 30% of you know, that skin that you buy, for example, they're not just going to let that revenue go by. And this is how Apple became a $2 trillion company. They didn't become this way by being super nice about anything. You know, as I said, they built the only bridge in town and they're going to charge a toll every time you cross that bridge until they're forced not to. And this is really one of those like very, very important matters that Epic is trying to fight is, is things like this, which is it's so obvious what they're trying to do. And 
it's just weird that Apple just kind of keeps sticking to the script about, oh, it's, it's for consumer safety. It's it's for their safety that we, we review each game. But like I said, they don't do the same for Netflix. They don't do the same uh, for Spotify, for example. Um, and even and, and, and even Spotify is still having issues, for example, with that 30% trying to compete with Apple at the same exact price, $9.99 a month. But if you sign up to Spotify through Apple's um, payment system, they're not getting that, you know, $9.99. You know, they're getting 30% taken away. So it, it it's hard to look at that and not understand it as being very anti-competitive and sort of, you know, building a monopoly. Like I said, building a bridge and making sure anyone that crosses it has to pay that toll. Um, there's just no way, there's no way we're going to see Stadia and xCloud on, on iOS at all. Like I said, to have developers have to jump through those loop, those, those hoops of having to apply for a developer license, having to get their game working in compliance to become an application, um, and then to be told, well, you know, Apple is going to take 30%. It's just not something I, I could ever see Microsoft or Google ever being interested in. So, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. I, I, I keep saying that, you know, the, the, the easiest way to get streaming onto these devices is to be able to do it through a browser, you know, like Google Chrome to be able to stream stadia games for example if something like that is possible i think that's probably the like the back door in order to make something like this happen now on to nintendo a few weeks ago i spoke about a report from bloomberg claiming that nintendo is preparing a new switch model for early 2021 a new report says quote Nintendo has asked several outside game developers to make their games 4K ready, suggesting a resolution upgrade is on its way. Now, I personally don't think that this means that we'll see a native 4K switch. I, I, I don't think something like that is really uh, super smart for them to, to do that unless they find some way of selling a dock that allows something like that. I don't see them doing that for the system itself in order to have native 4K. It's probably going to be something like an, an upscaled 4K, 1440p, for example. I doubt that it's going to do native 4K the same way that we've been seeing from the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X, for example. I just kind of don't see them doing that. You know, we talked about this, I, I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago on the show. That um, even though they're doing this, I don't foresee it being as like, this means that they're going to go into direct competition with PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. I just kind of don't see something like that happening. Uh, I, I do think that this is just a replacement for that $300 model. I, I don't think it would be a good idea to have three different Switch models um, on store shelves. I just, I, I don't think that's really the right way to go. Uh, on top of that, more Nintendo news. They announced Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity set 100 years before Breath of the Wild during the Great Calamity. Playable characters include Link, Zelda, and the Four Champions. It also looks like you can play as a tiny guardian. This one is featured on the cover art for the game, though it wasn't uh, like completely confirmed. They also said more information is coming and will be shared September 26th. Koei Tecmo did announce that they work closely with Nintendo on the game's art style and story. And, you know, honestly, it does really show when you look at the uh, the trailer that they showed for the game. They also did confirm that they're probably not going to talk about Breath of the Wild 2 for quite some time. It, it sort of seems that out of all the companies, Nintendo was the one that was most impacted by COVID-19. Even though we've seen delays from multiple publishers, from Microsoft and Sony themselves, it just seems like Nintendo has been way more impacted. And I sort of look at it as twofold. I think that they, they were impacted, but I also look at it as I think Nintendo saw an opportunity to maybe push some things a little further down the line, be able to give um, uh, 
some some games in this potential news of next year having a, a, a new Switch model hit the market. I think they kind of looked at COVID-19 as a little bit of an opportunity to kind of stay a little bit more quiet and, and just continue working on these things instead of having to put so much pressure on themselves. I think they see how well the Switch is doing going into this holiday. I think they know they don't need a huge title uh, going in, in, into Christmas this year in order to keep those sales going. And I think that's really the reason why they've been uh, kind of quiet. I think it's more of a choice than, you know, us thinking that COVID-19 somehow crippled Nintendo and it didn't really affect any other company. I don't really think that's exactly what happened to that company. I think it's just a choice on their part. Uh, I think this game looks really cool. I actually did enjoy the first Hero Warriors, but uh, when it comes to these types of games you know they get repetitive to me kind of kind of quick but uh, i think if nintendo's able to introduce like a really good multiplayer component to it maybe being able to play the game differently than, than people have been able to do in the past i think um it looks like it's going to have a much stronger story than the original hero warriors which in the story department didn't really feel like it had something good going for it and this kind of just feels like it's you know obviously since it's in the breath of the wild universe you can you sort of feel like everyone who did enjoy breath of the wild is going to want to play this in order to see the story play out you know i i always love stories and in, in films where you know what the ending is <laughs> because you play breath of the wild you know exactly what happens during the great calamity and I think that brings unique challenges to, to dialogue and, and story beats when you're playing it and you know exactly what the ending is, but it's more about the journey to get there. I think it's going to be really interesting exactly how they play that out. And, um, you know, in the original Hyrule Warriors, they did a lot of great stuff like the adventure mode in order to, you know, turn that experience from something you probably will only play for for a little while to something that could last you a few months uh and like i said it, it looks really good i'm looking forward to hearing more information about it and the buzz on it was really really big even from the very beginning it just shows the power of the zelda franchise actually affected sales of hero warriors uh what's the switch version called the definitive edition or something like that i can't remember exactly what it's called um so you know, more information coming September 26th, so we'll hear a little bit more about that very, very soon. Now, on to Ubisoft and the Ubisoft Forward event. I had a few pre-show announcements, a few updates for existing games. Far Cry is getting a physical VR game called Far Cry VR Dive into Insanity. And, you know, looking at that trailer that showed, uh, I was saying to myself, I can't think of a worse time to show <laughs> Any game that has to be played in a in an enclosed room with seven other human beings and during a pandemic this is probably not the right time to launch something like this. They also talked about a game, a VR game called Agos, which stands for a game of space. So, uh, yeah, whoever came up with that name, sure. Uh, Eve Guimau also created an apology video and pledged more donations for the NAACP in light of the Elite Squad controversy. People were not happy the video was not a part of Ubisoft Forward, and Ubisoft confirmed that they, quote, didn't have time to add it, which is uh, obviously a bunch of BS, and confirmed that they would add it to the official YouTube VOD, but that actually never happened as a recording. I didn't, I uh, haven't seen that. They just put a replay of their live event. And, um, you know, the way that I looked at this issue was that even if they played this before Ubisoft forward, you know, um, I don't think it's, it, it would have a different type of impact. To me, this apology just has no impact. That's just kind of the way that I look at it for two reasons. Number one, there's enough evidence out right now that we know that Ubisoft was very well aware of all these issues that were brought up to the Human Resources Department, and they chose not to do anything until it was really kind of exposed, and they couldn't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube. So there's enough proof of that. And number two is that the apologies are one thing, but we won't really know um, that if any changes actually happen within Ubisoft until 
you know, probably a year from now. So the way that I look at these apology videos is that they're meaningless. And even if they stuck it in front of Ubisoft, even if they did something in the beginning, middle, and end of this Ubisoft forward event, it's not like I'm going to sit here and praise Yves Guimau, like, oh, thank you for apologizing to the people that were hurt. You know, that's, you know, this is kind of one of those things where words are meaningless and actions are really what speak. And we, we just won't know until, you know, some media outlet and a journalist really follows up with the story and speaks to Ubisoft employees who are able to talk about whether they did see a change or not. So uh, that's really where we are moving forward. Now, the first game to show was Immortals Phoenix Rising, previously known as Gods and Monsters. Personally, I actually preferred the name Gods and Monsters. I'm not really a fan of Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um kind of a mouthful coming to places coming to pretty much everything ps4 ps5 xbox one series x pc via epic game store nintendo switch and stadia stadia did confirm they're getting the game day and date on december 3rd uh but also getting an exclusive demo before release uh it sounds like you only need a gmail account you won't need a stadia account which is pretty cool um I'm a little surprised it is releasing December. Uh, I talked about this last week. This would be kind of weird from Ubisoft to be releasing all these AAA single-player games one right after the other. You know, this means Ubisoft's releasing four AAA single-player games within five months. We have Watch Dogs Legions, October 29th, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, November 10th, Immortals is December 3rd, and then Far Cry 6 is February 21st. Um kind of weird that they're releasing that many games one after the other it makes me wonder if this holiday ubisoft will try to push uplay plus a little bit harder because it's probably the most forgotten service in this current climate that we're living in with all we're talking about is game pass you know ubisoft has their own service 15 dollars a month it's currently only on pc um but if you do have a PC and you're you know you're paying that, that fifteen dollars, you can you know if if you kind of play it right, you know when December third hits, you can probably pay fifteen bucks and you know finish play and finish all these single player games in a month if you're very efficient about it. So you can probably get all these three games for fifteen dollars, which is a pretty good value. Um, but even if you were to just you know, go into that service $15 a month for just for the holidays, you'll be able to play all these AAA single player titles for less than the price of one of these games or less than the price of what one of these games would have been at retail, which is really interesting. I think this would have been a perfect time for um, Stadia to launch Uplay Plus. You know, we did learn last year that Ubisoft wanted Uplay Plus to come to Stadia where you could pay $15 a month and get something really close to what Microsoft is doing with Xbox Game Pass. I have no idea what happened to that partnership, but this would have been the perfect holiday for them to introduce something like that. Um, I, I just don't understand really what Stadia is doing. It just seems like there's these certain moments where they could and should be aggressive, and this being one of them, especially with uh, Microsoft launching xCloud this week. Uh, it's just really weird that they're just kind of not. Um, about the game itself, uh, it, it literally looks like Breath of the Wild. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. You could definitely tell that the developers... Uh, saw and played Breath of the Wild and loved it. This is something that we've been talking about ever since they first showed the game. You could tell that it was inspired by Breath of the Wild. But when they showed the gameplay footage, I mean, it's literally Breath of the Wild set in, in Greek mythology. Honestly, it looks like a modification for Breath of the Wild. You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And look, if there's one game to imitate this generation, it probably should be Breath of the Wild. It's one of the games that we're still talking about even three years after its release. Uh, you know, it, it. I mean, it looks good. Personally, I, I, I hate the art style. It's like this really weird, like they couldn't decide whether they wanted to be sort of realistic or cartoony. The player models sort of look in between, you know, one one and kind of chibi size is kind of a really weird scale 
and look for a lot of the characters in this game. I like that you can create your own uh, Phoenix. I thought that was really cool. Um, but like I said, it, it just looks like one of those games where, hey, you like Breath of the Wild? Here's kind of more of it. There were a lot of things I looked at it. I was like, man, this looks like Breath of the Wild. Um, and I, I really hope they change the UI. The UI is just really bad. It just does not look kind of very good at all. Uh, I am looking forward to trying out that demo when it comes out to Stadia. They didn't give us a date, but obviously it'll be before December 3rd. And it seemed like some of the, the, the media were able to get their hands on that demo already. So maybe it's something that we'll see next month or at the end of the month, maybe. But October will be kind of nice. Something before Watch Dogs Legions, like something right in the middle of October will be a, a nice time to have that demo out. They also announced a Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time remake. Um, I mean, this did not look good at all, but Ubisoft confirmed that the footage shown was from an early build. They probably should have pointed that out in the footage. It just looked awful, really did not look good at all. Um, this kind of had leaked a while ago. And even though I was a, a big fan of Prince Persia Sands of Time, when I read the leak, I was like, eh, I'm not really sure about that. Uh, but after seeing it, it kind of sort of reminded me of the game. And I kind of did get a little bit excited about it. Uh, this coming out in January. So that means that Ubisoft is releasing a game every single month for the next few months um because in between phoenix december we have prince persia in january and then we have far cry 6 in february if it doesn't slip so we'll just have to wait and see for that uh they also announced a rainbow six world cup event summer 2021 they confirmed rainbow six siege is getting a free next gen upgrade scott program versus the world the game complete edition is coming to ps4 xbox one switch and stadia Scott Pilgrim vs. the World has been like the poster child for the dangers of a future digital only, excuse me, the dangers of a digital only future because the game was just completely removed from the uh, marketplace and there was no way to get it. I don't think they ever said exactly what happened. I'm not really sure. Um, but it looks like it is coming back and they're adding a couple of things into it. Uh, Watch Dogs Legions was showed again, and they announced an Aiden Pierce mission. I kind of found it weird that it seemed people were excited about this, and I just looked at it as like, what? Like, I'd rather have the protagonist, can't remember his name, from Watch Dogs 2. I think Aiden Pierce was probably one of the most boring protagonists. I mean, we're talking about boring looking, boring sounding, just all around boring characters that I can think of in the past decade that we're introducing to video games. For me, I'd rather have the protagonist from Watch Dogs 2 in a mission. I, I, I don't really see the excitement around Aiden Pierce. And even even now, when they had a chance to sort of re-realize the character, it, he just looks absolutely boring. So I don't really understand the excitement about that. And then they announced a brand new IP, Riders Republic, which is an extreme sport racing battle royale sort of thing uh you know honestly it does actually look pretty fun i think this is launching next february so um you know, ubisoft has a lot of work to do within the next couple of months and then they still have rainbow six quarantine they had that skull and bones game that we have no idea exactly what happened to it so there's probably a lot more going into 2021 but it's interesting just how aggressive they've they're starting to get with trying to release a game pretty much every single month. And I said, this is the perfect time for them to really push. And hopefully they'll do like a really big marketing push for Uplay Plus, even though, you know, they really have to start bringing this onto consoles, you know, having a PC alone, I don't think is the way to go. But especially having this, you know, for PlayStation, for example, where they don't have something similar to Game Pass, I think would be a really, really good way to go, especially with Game Pass is getting better and better. Uh, our final story of the week is Xbox Series S. Now, we've known about Xbox Series X for quite some time, back when it was known by its codename Lockhart. This thing uh, actually leaked last week. It was very well handled by Microsoft. A quick recap of the timeline. Last Monday night, a YouTuber by the name of BD Sams shared a photo of the system along with his $299 price point. Then this was followed by 
a leaked snippet from a showcase video for the console, uh, which really pretty much solidified the look of the system. Then Windows Central confirmed that it was released in November 10th, and they also confirmed a $299 price point for the S and a $499 for the X. At 2.07 Tuesday morning, uh, Xbox tweeted nothing but a, a the puppet monkey meme, followed by an official confirmation at 3.13 in the morning that the Xbox Series X was coming, $299, and, and telling us to expect more information soon. Uh, for some weird reason, people thought that Microsoft leaked this on purpose. I have absolutely no idea who would think that any company on the face of the earth would want to confirm a brand new piece of hardware at three o'clock in the morning. I guarantee you this was not done on purpose. Um, the Xbox Series X, they did confirm it uh, on Tuesday, $299. Xbox Series X for $499, launching November 10th. And then they confirmed that pre-orders are opening September 22nd. Phil Spencer also confirmed that all this news was supposed to come out this week. That's That's really what their plan was. But they moved everything one week ahead because of the leak obviously they couldn't hide it now the xbox series x has been probably their worst kept secret for a few years now and everyone speculated after the series x was announced last december that this was going to be the official name for this version it was going to be series s because of their naming scheme for this current generation and obviously we're all right about it um now the design obviously early jokes looks like a speaker um, my favorite one being that it looks like a drive-by uh, speaker box excuse me a drive-through speaker box which i found funny um i wasn't too crazy about the design after physically seeing it man this thing is smaller 60 percent smaller than the xbox series x i'm not a huge fan of the design i feel like that kind of black circle kind of weird why they didn't just keep it white or like an off-white find it kind of weird they made it black um honestly personally speaking i've said this before i really could care less about console designs i think people make too big of a deal about them even though those same people that make a big deal about whether they're ugly or not ugly or whatever those are the same people that are going to bring it home plug it in press the power button and probably never look at it ever again especially ever since we've gotten wireless controllers where we even don't have to press the power button on most of these systems um I could care less about design. Now, features of the Xbox Series X, no disk drive, it's all digital. 4K streaming media playback, 1440p with 4K game upscaling, supports 60 frames per second up to 120 frames per second. Direct X ray tracing, variable rate shading, variable refresh rate, ultra low latency, and a custom 512 gigabyte NVMe SSD. Now, the frontline bullet points for this system, they're pretty amazing for a console that's going to go on sale for $299. Obviously, the biggest weakness is that 512 gigabyte, gigabyte SSD. Now, with the introduction of solid state drives into this current generation that we're about to go into, uh, and just naturally the way that technology uh, moves, solid state drive prices are probably going to start getting cheaper. Apparently, the official Seagate one terabyte expansion card is rumored to be $220, which is a crazy, crazy price. Um, even if they made a 512 gigabyte card, you know, there's no way that's going to be cheaper than $150, which makes this system $50 away from being a series X, which ships with a one terabyte. So I think that's a little bit scary, but one thing to keep in mind about the Xbox series, as opposed to the PlayStation five is that the Xbox series has a bit more of a common solid state drive. So I think the possibility of being able to get a off the shelf solid state drive, as opposed to like an official card, um, would be a cheaper option that's something that you as far as we know sony confirmed that you will not be able to do with the playstation 5 at launch um, because the playstation 5 solid state drive is a lot faster than what we've normally seen on the market it's a little bit different with um 
with the Xbox series, for example. So that's kind of a little bit of an issue having that 512 gigabyte SSD. Um, you know, with going into the solid state drive, we are expecting uh, games taking up less space on a drive as opposed to currently right now because accessing data is a lot faster. Uh, but we'll just obviously have to wait and see exactly what this is going to look like. I think everyone's gauge is going to be Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I think that's the one game that we're going to look forward to in terms of how much space it actually takes. Because Call of Duty is notorious right now for taking up a lot of space on hard drives. Now comparing this system to the Xbox Series X is where it gets really interesting. The... The uh, CPUs, they both have the same CPUs as at different speeds, 3.8 for the X, 3.6 for the S. The GPU is also a big difference, 12.15 for the X, 4 teraflops for the S. Memory is uh, the biggest issue, 16 gigabytes uh, for the X, 10 gigabytes for the S, and it is a slower speed. We just talked about uh, the internal storage. Performance-wise, the X is targeting 4K at 60 frames per second up to 120. And then the S is targeting 1440p at 60 frames per second up to 120 frames per second. And Microsoft did confirm, this is where it gets a little confusing, that the Series X, when using games that are backwards compatible, it would run the Xbox One S version, not the Xbox One X version which makes sense because the xbox one x was targeting negative native 4k at 30 frames per second the xbox series s as we now know is targeting 1440p which is an upscaled 4k um now first question is is this naming scheme confusing and uh, personally, no, it's not. I, I understand that it, it, it kind of has become something that a lot of media personnel, I feel like it's, it's really low-hanging fruit um, to talk about how terrible this is going to be in terms of people going to the stores and, and wanting to buy the newest Xbox. Um, yes, well, Microsoft has to spend more money educating the consumer than PlayStation does. Absolutely, they do. Now, does that mean that this is going to get so confusing that it's going to affect their sales? Absolutely not. Probably the most confusing naming scheme we've seen in gaming had to be Nintendo with the 3DS. You know, we had the 3DS and then a 3DS XL. Then we had uh, 2DS and then 2DS XL. And then the 2DS, I think, Lite or whatever. There was like the Lite skinny version. And, you know, that's probably the most confusing naming scheme that we've ever seen. They did just fine. And... Going into the, the 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 holidays, you know, there's really there really should only be three systems on that shelf: Series S, Series X, and the Xbox One S. That's really where the confusion comes into. Now, the interesting thing is that with the Xbox Series X being three hundred dollars, I think Microsoft is going to start looking at, at the pricing for the Xbox One S, and I wouldn't be surprised if that gets eliminated very very quickly. Maybe even as early as late 2021, we won't see Xbox One S at all on the shelf, especially with the fact that we now know that Series S and X will both be backwards compatible, not only with just with software, but with hardware. So with it coming in at that $299 price point, I just don't really see the reason for Xbox One S even being on the shelf anymore. Now, let's talk about how this impacts this current generation, um, Microsoft is definitely losing money uh, by selling both of these consoles at this price point. I'm still surprised that they're going to get away with $299. Um, I mean, that's just a steal right now. And yes, it won't get 4K, but honestly, 4K adoption is not as high as... Uh, gamers would like you to think gamers want you want everyone to think and even sort of the media I think sometimes blows 4k out of proportion they want you to think that it's this blanket adoption it really isn't most tvs and monitors that gamers own don't can't even support 120 frames per second I don't even think I have the access to 120 frames per second I, I will have to double check myself I'm actually not even 100% sure um I think that when consumers go into uh, buying systems this holiday, 
to know that they have access to a new generation at 300 bucks, I think it's pretty amazing when you, especially when you add in the value of Xbox game pass, it just once again shows how different Microsoft or Sony going into their next generation plans where Microsoft wants to make gaming as accessible as possible. And Sony, I'm not saying that Sony is opposed to it, but Sony is really wants you to get games through their box. Their box is really, really important to them. Um, the other big thing about this is how will this affect gaming development? And I think, um, you know, there were, there was a, a quote that was being shared last week. I think it was from a, a, a developer within Remedy that said that they, they see a problem with the Xbox Series S and X in terms of development. And I'll tell you why that's kind of blown a little bit out of proportion. Number one, it's something that we've seen this entire generation. Now, now for the last few years, we've had companies have to create a game that runs on PlayStation 4 Pro an Xbox One X, and then now have to scale it down to run on regular PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, Xbox One S, right? We've been seeing this from PC gaming for decades now, where you 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 create Cyberpunk 2077 with the greatest model build that you can create on PC first, and then you know that eventually you have to scale it down to someone that only has... 16 gigs of RAM or something like that and has an older graphics card, has an older CPU. This is something that is now just, it, it, it's become a part of development now as we know it. Can this create a potential issue, you know, a few years from now? Maybe. We don't know. You know, I'm not an expert at creating game. No Sony stand out there is, a, is, a, is an expert in creating games. None of them can sit, sit there and say this is going to be a big problem. Now, does this increase the development cost of an Xbox exclusive versus a PlayStation exclusive? Absolutely, it does. But when you're talking about a $299 system and Microsoft going to the generation being very aggressive with Xbox All Access and Game Pass, the the adoption rate of that system is something that would be worth that little bit of extra development cost that we're talking about. And um, as I said, going into this generation, we're really talking about Microsoft going to quantity and accessibility versus Sony really sticking to their quality um, of their goods versus what Microsoft is going into. Now, Microsoft also upgraded their Xbox All Access plan it's currently available in U.S., U.K., Australia, and New Zealand. They're expanding that to Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Norway, Poland, South Korea, and Sweden, with even more countries coming in 2021. Previous U.S. retailers were Best Buy and Amazon. It looks like Amazon no, is no longer part of this program because they weren't listed as a participating retailer when I went to the All Access website. GameStop, Walmart, Target, and Microsoft Store were added as new retailers. Now, what is Xbox All Access? That means that when these systems uh, launch or go on pre-order September uh, at the end of the month, September 22nd, for $25 a month, you get an Xbox Series S. $35 a month, you get an X with 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate. Now, this does save you money in the long run. If you are a person that has decided, hey, going into this generation, I really would like an Xbox and I do want Game Pass Ultimate, you do save some money going this route. Um, I think it's 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 like $60 if you go the S, and I think you're saving like 20 bucks going the X if you add together the price of the console plus those 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate. It just allows you to take the box home immediately without ha having to pay $500 uh, right at the offset. You're able to just start off with $35 a month. Now, this acts as a loan through a credit union, so... This is something that, like I said, you'll, you'll pay monthly. If you don't pay, then your credit does, you know, go down your credit score. Uh, it's just like any other loan uh, out there right now. But you talk about being able to introduce consumers to a system at such a low price point, $299, and then offering this option 
through some of the biggest retailers right now in the United States, GameStop, GameStop Walmart, Target, Microsoft Store, um, uh, excuse me, Best Buy also. Very surprised that Amazon is no longer a part of it. I'm not exactly sure exactly why that happened. Um, shoulder shrug on that one. Uh, but then on top of all of that, they also announced an upgrade to Game Pass. They announced that EA Play is now being added to Game Pass. That's not, Now gamers will have access to more than 60 EA games. Uh, access to game trials for up to 10 hours some of the best ea play games will be available for game pass ultimate members to stream on android i mean you know microsoft is doing a lot to add all of that value into their system now the ultimate question will this how will this affect um purchasing patterns for playstation versus xbox to me even after what we learned last week, I still do not see the Xbox uh, outselling the PlayStation. I, I just don't, you know, we're talking about right now going into this, uh, leaving this current generation we're in, PlayStation outsold Xbox probably three to one by now. We don't know the official numbers. We know the last time we knew the numbers, it was at two to one. It might even be three to one by now. Who knows, right? Um, when you think about, people who own PlayStation, I think the one thing that Sony was able to do last generation that Microsoft was not able to is show consumers, hey, you know what? You spent uh, three, four, five hundred dollars for our box. By the end of this cycle, you're going to say to yourself, man, this was money well spent. And that was something that Microsoft was not able to do. If anybody <laughs> says to themselves, man, I'm really happy I spent five hundred dollars on an Xbox One X. For the few years since it's been out, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> I mean, there really hasn't been very high quality, you know, first party games when it comes to uh, what Microsoft was able to do. Going to this generation, that's definitely going to increase. But I think a lot of Sony consumers were happy with what with what uh, PlayStation did. Now, what I think was interesting about the Xbox Series S coming in at $300 and uh, pushing through with Game Pass is a few things. Number one, I don't see PlayStation matching Game Pass at all. PlayStation already said they're not interested in putting their games day and date on PlayStation now. Um, and I think at the rate that Game Pass continues to grow, the last number we had was 10 million. Now with these new revelations that we're learning about, we're, it wouldn't be surprising if by next year we see 30 million Game Pass gamers you know that type of expected revenue not just for for microsoft but for the their partners for these developers and publishers that are part of game pass is a big deal now expected revenue is not something that's uh super duper normal in our industry but now with subscription services is going to be something that's going to become the norm and become normal for these uh publishers that really want to start going into something like this um I still don't foresee this holiday Xbox um, outselling the PlayStation, but I definitely see the Xbox Series S being very, very successful. And I can see a lot of people that were looking at the X now looking at the S and thinking to themselves, man, 300 bucks is kind of hard to pass by. And honestly, even I would consider if that if S if the Xbox Series S had a disk drive, I would probably consider it. We're talking about $200 difference. For me personally, no, I need a disk drive. I will be buying physical games until I am no longer able to, until we eventually do reach a point in our industry where disk drives will no longer be a part of, of, of a system. I think we are trending towards that. I don't think it's going to happen the next generation. I think it's going to happen the generation after the next one. I think we're going to get into a generation where we no longer see disk drives. But I'm just too used to uh, buying a game, especially a single player one, finishing it, and then selling it in order to make a, a bit of that money back. I, ju I just think it's being fiscally responsible. I don't really see a reason why I should be keeping these games. Perfect example is a game like Control. A game like Control, I paid 60. I think I sold it for 50 bucks. Right now, if I want to get back into Control, I could buy it for 40 bucks and it brings and, and, it, and it includes two of the DLC that came out afterwards, right? So it's just about fiscal responsibility to me. 
Um, that's just kind of the way that I look at it. I'll be doing it until I can't do it. We also learned a little bit more about the launch lineup November 10th. We have Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It was pushed up a week to launch on November 10th. We are also going to see a lot of day one upgrades like Watch Dogs Legions. Um, uh, what else? Uh, NBA 2K21. I think we'll also get a day one upgrade. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon is confirmed to to launch november 10th that is an xbox series x exclusive we don't know when it's coming out to playstation 5 excuse me it's a console launch exclusive i think it is also launching on pc november 10th dirt 5 will be their day one the falconeer will be their day one and then we also learned about a, a lot of game pass launch titles gears tactics previously only available on pc will be there november 10th uh, as a Game Pass launch title, Tetris Effect Connected will be a Game Pass launch title. And then Destiny 2 Beyond Light, it is launching everywhere November 10th, but it will be will be there day one for Game Pass. Now, I think Microsoft is going to push really, really hard marketing-wise um, in order to really, really push across Game Pass this holiday. I think... You know, when you think about that $299 price point of the Xbox Series X, you realize, man, how tough it must have been to delay Halo Infinite. You know, um, that's just like, man, that's a one-two punch. You really wanted this holiday uh, for Microsoft. So hopefully we're able to get a new date for Halo Infinite soon. Um, you know, to me, I think that... I still can't believe there's going to be a next generation console on store shelves at $299. I think Microsoft's big challenge is going to be because the price point is so low, kind of convincing people, like letting them know, yes, this is a next generation console on paper. It absolutely is. Yes. It's not doing native 4k. Um, but I think that the people who are who are interested in going into a store and buying this at two ninety nine are not really worried about stuff like that. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a very very interesting holiday going into um, because of the amount of value that Microsoft's about to offer, and if they're able to get their marketing just right and being able to market. Hey, for $15 a month, you get access to over 150 games. And then at some point, they'll be able to market over 200, 250 games when EA Play is included this holiday. We don't have an exact date for that. I mean, the value proposition that Xbox Game Pass introduces is just, it's insanity. It really, really is insane. Whereas PlayStation is really going almost like the Nintendo the Nintendo route of saying like, Hey, if you want to play these amazing games, you have to come to us. And I think what will be interesting is I wonder how many gamers out there will purchase their PlayStation five and then get a series S as their secondary console and get their series S as their, um, maybe their third party and get series S just for game pass because it has such a low entry price point right now. Um, I'm just excited. You know, I, I do look at this as like, man, this because of everything that happened this year with COVID-19, we've been seeing a lot more people being introduced into gaming this year because it, it people understood how good of a pastime it had become, especially for people that, that um, locked themselves indoors. And I think it's this will be the first generation that we're going into where we're going to have a very, very good or very strong adoption rate of people that had never bought a, a, a next generation console at launch because of how intimidated that price point is. And now we're telling those same people like, hey, you know, you can play all these all new games that we're going to have this year for 25 bucks a month and you'll have access to over 150 games. And if you have an Android, you'll be able to, to stream those games anywhere you go. I think it's just interesting what Microsoft is is going through and you know the real winners are gamers going into it um i just think it's amazing you know for for us to have something like this at 300 bucks this is going to be a very interesting holiday season for all three of these systems to 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 know that a next generation console is going to be the same exact price as a nintendo switch and uh I don't know. It's just it's just amazing to see. And I and you know 
before we move on, I, I do not see this console affecting Nintendo Switch sales kind of at all. I don't think Microsoft is, excuse me, I don't think Nintendo is saying to themselves, man, I'm worried that we're the same price as Xbox Series S. I actually don't think they're they're worried at all. I think they serve two completely different markets. Hot releases for the week, September 15th, we have Spelunky 2 for PlayStation 4, Fight Crab on Switch, BPM Bullets Per Minute on PC. We also have the launch of xCloud coming to Android. Uh, Microsoft did confirm over 150 games at launch. They also confirmed that Minecraft Dungeons is the first game to uh, be fully optimized for touch controls. The UI was optimized for it. So I think that's really interesting. I think that's a really good first game in order to experiment with touch controls because I think that is really important in order to make something like that work. Uh, September 18th, we have WWE 2K Battlegrounds, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Crisis Remastered, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And Super Mario 3D All-Stars for Nintendo Switch. Remember, that is a limited release. I think all physical pre-orders are already gone. Uh, so you might have to go digital only if you can't find it physical. Time to wrap it up. These are stories we couldn't get to. PlayStation 5, excuse me, PlayStation has announced their next PS5 showcase event will take place September 16th at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern time and will be about 40 minutes long. Um, obviously, this will be the place where we're, where we're going to hear price and date for the PlayStation 5. There's no way this event is going to end and we don't hear about it. I think it would be kind of interesting to see if PlayStation kind of tries to get ahead of Microsoft and maybe tries to hot drop pre-orders and you know at the end of it just say hey pre-orders are available and see if they can create a little bit of a fever a little bit of a buzz i think it'll be really interesting to see if they do that uh now the price point i i, I don't foresee sony not doing 400 for digital edition 500 for the regular edition um i do think that sony did consider 450 digital 500 uh, physical, but I think with Series S coming at 300, I don't see them not doing a 400, 500. I've said this before. I think Sony could absolutely get away with a 500, 600 uh, pricing strategy, just in order to not lose money uh, at retail, lose a little bit of money at retail. But I do think that um, Sony understands going into this generation that they do have um they, they're going to be adopting digital a lot faster and i think they're going to be able to make their money back or break even a lot faster so i think they're going to be okay with going 400 500 but i'll be honest i wouldn't be surprised if they did 500 600 and honestly i don't think it would really affect their their sales i think their their um base is, is okay with that uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. Suda51 confirmed No More Heroes 3 will be released in 2021 due to development delays caused by COVID-19. Uh, not surprised by this. Really looking forward to this. I just hope that they remaster 1 and 2 and put it on the Switch. This is what we really, really need. EA added Colin Kaepernick as a free agent in Madden NFL 21 after being left out of several versions due to his status with the league. Um... It's obvious Kyle Kaepernick was paid for this. His likeness is way too close uh, for anyone to convince me that he did not work closely with EA in order to get his likeness just right. Look, if I was Kaepernick, I would probably want absolutely nothing to do with the NFL. But, you know, to each his own. If you're a Cap fan, you can finally add him to any team you want. Uh, and finally, a few weeks ago, 505 Games announced an ultimate edition of Control and said the only way to get a free upgrade to next generation was to buy this particular version. They said, a quote, we are virtually unable to offer an upgrade path to all existing Control players. We all knew this was absolute BS. Uh, last week, PS4 owners confirmed that their deluxe editions were upgraded to ultimate edition and then revoked later in the day. Obviously proving that they could, they just don't want to. I mean, this is something that we obviously knew that 5 of 5 games was lying about. Now we know that they're lying. There's a conspiracy theory going around that Remedy uh, flipped that switch uh, sort of by mistake on purpose in order to make their publisher look bad. I love that conspiracy theory. I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. I'm a big fan of that one. And that's it for this week's show. Shout out. Uh, shout out this week actually goes out 
to GameStop employees around the world. Earlier this year, GameStop announced that they will be closing 300 of their 5,100 stores. And last week, they announced that number will be increasing to 400 through 450 and even more in 2021. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, even myself, a lot of us like to poke fun at GameStop. It's obvious that GameStop will not be around, um, you know, within within maybe even two, three years because of the digital landscape, landscape of where we're going. The fact that two of these um, uh, companies now are launching day and date with a digital only system. It's obvious that GameStop's days are numbered, but I think sometimes when we talk about these things, we completely forget that, you know, people's livelihoods are at stake and, you know, 400 through 450 uh, stores being closed. We're talking about thousands of jobs being at risk and, and being eliminated. Uh, and, you know, with everything going on, this is obviously not uh, a very good time for anyone to be losing their job. So, um, you know, my thoughts are with any GameStop employees that do lose their job this year. And if you are a current GameStop employee, does not matter how much money your store generates, please, please uh, begin looking for a new place of employment right now because it's obvious that GameStop will not be existing in a few years. So once again, best of luck to all those employees that are going to be affected by these closings. Uh, and that's it for our show this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Camp Koji for future updates. Once again, I am Joel, and I will see you all next week.